0: Hello. Hi. Oh, much better. As we were saying. (laughs) As we were
1: saying, 1977. Did you say?
0: Nine. 1979.
1: Nine. You were 12. I was older than that. But you're so sweet. But
0: seriously, this is actually the 40th anniversary of Hair.
1: So I know it's been so fun. We've I got everybody to come to a screening in Stamford, Connecticut, at the Avon. The entire cast came. You're kidding. No, and we did a screening and a Q&A. And then I got a call from the Academy, and we did a screening at the Academy in New York. And I did a Q&A after that with the producer, Mike uh, Hausman. And uh, that was uh, like seeing it for the first time. The audience went bananas. It was just, you know, it's a great, fun film. And how did you feel seeing it again after so many years? You know, it's like it's not even me in it anymore. It's just—it's a really lovely Milos Forman film. Um, I'm glad he picked me. I mean, it's a joyous performance, and you know, I wish I could do those things physically. I could do them, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud to have had that in my, um, you know, in, in my backlog of what I've done. So it was—it was a nice feeling, and you know, I've seen it so many times that it's like, okay, I said to my wife and kids, I don't think I want to see this movie again for a while. Seen it too many times, but I did learn some things that were quite sweet. Milosh's wife told me that whenever they would have friends over, Milos got down to the fact that he only really wanted to show friends hair when they came to visit in Connecticut because it's the most fun. And uh, he, you know, he just thought it was one of his best films. I thought that was very nice.
0: Uh, it's definitely my top five. Is it true that you did 13 auditions to
1: Landberger? And- Twelve. 12 auditions. I can't believe 12, that. And then wrestling with Jerry Orton. And then getting wrestling with Jerry. I was, I, you know, it's almost, it was really almost symbolic. Uh, I think, and I didn't know, I, no one had ever verbalized what I knew, which was that Jerry w- knew I was the right guy to play Burger. But also, he had played Burger. He created it. And some part of him didn't want to let it go. And I felt at that point that I was being kind of, uh, for want of a better phrase, jerked around. Not by Milos, but remember when you're auditioning for a musical, there are so many departments. There's Dance with Twyla. There's Galt McDermott's music. There's Jerry wanting a guy to, to, to carry his legacy of burgherdom. And there's Milos, who's wanting to pick the right person for that role, the leader of the, of the, of the hippies. <laughs> and after my last audition, and no one, I don't tell this too many often, but I but they were auditioning the play and the movie at the same time. And I had to do a monologue that wasn't in the movie from the play where Berger introduces himself. And as I did the monologue, I took off every bit of clothing I had on, and I finished the monologue in front of everybody at the table stark naked. You're hired. Group, this is true. No, I said, I said to the group, this is all I've got left, guys. I have nothing left for you. This is my 12th time. I'm done. Jerry came out and said, oh, my God, that was so great. And I grabbed him by the neck and threw him on the ground and said, stop screwing with my head. I'm done with this. And um, I went into, Milos called me into his office, and I was really upset. And I was very, you know, I was a kid. I was in tears. I was like, I can't do this anymore, man. And he said, you've got the part. Why did they put you through so much torture? I think they, you know, they wanted to be sure, I guess. I don't know Why? why. Some were insecure. uh, I think Jerry wasn't sure, but also part of Jerry wouldn't let go of it. Twyla wanted to make sure that a guy that really wasn't a trained dancer could really work and give her the work ethic she demands. Uh, Milos wanted to see that I worked well with you know one of the reasons that there were so many auditions it wasn't just about me I would go into Milos' apartment and there would be you know three or four actors coming in each time there were different actors so he was he was he was he was putting pieces of the puzzle together so
0: ah uh, oh but man let's talk this new movie. I know. I I, you just read my mind. Good. So I'm sitting here with, with my dog and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't think he would have ever been able to be in the snow and do what those dogs did. Yeah, I know. My
1: dog did backflips when I first put him in the snow. <laughs>
0: Was it like? Was it hard to you know be in that
1: weather? Uh, tell me. Yeah, no, it was. It, I mean, less less so for me because all my stuff was interior, which made me very very happy. Yeah. But I mean, Brian uh, uh, Presley really is should be given all the kudos on this movie. I just worked there. He did it all. He you know wrote it, directed it. Uh, uh, you know, was executive on it. I mean, he really. Really made a great movie for himself, and um, he was out there in the wild and in the weather, and learned learned actually how to mush and how to how to run the sled dogs. Um, know, I'm so, going to talk to him on Monday. And it was hard for all of us. I have to say, it was hard for all of us because uh, uh, getting there and going right to work—it's at 10,000 feet. That's two miles up, mm-hmm. and I fly airplanes, and at 10,000 feet, I get a little woozy So when I got there to start working, I was like, I can't climb. I can't climb two stairs. Wow. You really have no oxygen at first until your body starts to acclimate, and you feel sick. So did you have um, poisoning? Did you get that? No, no, I didn't get to the nausea part, but I certainly didn't feel like eating a full meal, you know, and alcohol, if you have any alcohol, it's like ten times the effect of one one glass of wine, and you stumble home, so you have to be careful about all that stuff. But it was... uh, you know, once we got going, it was such a lovely story, and it was such an emotional piece, it was easy to come to work.
0: Oh, yeah. It was so beautifully shot. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you. Isn't it gorgeous? Stunning. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. Really stunning. So yeah. so you mentioned that you fly planes, and at this this time of, of, of where we are in the movie, they were afraid to, like, go by plane, right? This is well, where they, they used the to dogs.
1: There, no, there was no such thing as instrument flying. I fly instruments in bad weather all the time. Mm-hmm. And that means you have, at the time, you'd have, eventually, in the 1930s, they developed instrument flying by having a ground station and a needle in the airplane that would point to the station, and you'd go, and then they learned to, to create instrument approaches, but none of that existed, and there was a storm. So these were, you know, these were two-person biplanes. Had it been beautiful weather, they could have gotten them in. But it happened to be one of the worst storms in, in American history, and it was—you know—these guys were in the dog sleds at 80, so 80 degrees below zero.
0: Did you um, want to do the dog sledding? Were you in for learning mushing? No, no.
1: I fly airplanes. I, I, I didn't. I didn't really have this great desire to, to do that. Interesting. I like riding horseback. I don't know why. I didn't. I didn't. know. it's one—not not something that floated my boat, so to speak.
0: Now, do you fly to set and all that good
1: stuff, or I do? I do on the East Coast if I feel like it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'll fly. I flew down to my last when I did uh, Blue Bloods recently. You know, I'll fly down to my daughter in college down to uh, Florida, where she was in. Excuse me, in Georgia. She was at uh, in Savannah. I'll fly down there. Um, but the long trips, you know, like here to L.A., a couple of glasses of wine in the back with a good book, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. I've got ten thousand hours flying airplanes. I have nothing to prove. You know, if it's a good fast airplane and flies above the weather, I'm I'm in. I'll sit in back. Did I have to ask you? Did you ever have a close call, or was it always? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh sure. I've I've had the I've had two catastrophic engine failures. Oh no. One engine loss of all oil pressure. So I've had three. Emergencies, engine emergencies, but I fly twin-engine airplanes, so that was a pretty easy. Easy thing to deal with. You shut the engine down, feather the propeller, and uh, and off you go. You were alone. or are you with people? Let's see. Um, I think I was with people two times. One catastrophic was with a kid that was learning to fly. He is just a young flight instructor. He was terrified, but I got him over it. And then uh, and there was another guy I was trying to make a movie with, and he just sat quietly wondering if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the last one was just me. I, think I'm, I can't remember who was in the airplane, but the engine just kind of fried on the way to Teterboro, and I just said, I'm shutting it down to declare an emergency, and landed at Teterboro.
0: Man, you have to be
1: so calm and cool and collected. Well, it's all about, I mean, I, I would, without being told to, I train every year, retrain every mm-hmm. year. So that I feel as though I'm, you know, I'm a commercial pot and a flight instructor, so I take it all very seriously. didn't fly my plane out there, but I would have because Brian is such a great director and such a great guy. And when you talk to him, you realize he's just humble. And the fact that he that he took this story that nobody knew about and turned it into this really big movie with a small budget is an extraordinary thing.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to speak with him. Um, now, is this the first time you've played a doctor since Everwood?
1: No, I actually did a show right after Everward, uh for Warner Brothers called Heartland.
0: Oh, yes, uh, yes,
1: yes. And uh, we did 12 episodes, and it didn't get another season, but I played a, I played a, a, a surgeon in that. I don't think I've played a doctor since then. No. No, mostly cops and firemen. Back y- to working class.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Why do you think uh, you get that? Uh, scene for that?
1: Oh, I think I'm all over the map. I mean, I, you know, one, one film's a villain, you know, and one film's a, you know, this calm, very nice doctor, and the next one is, a, you know, kind of a creepy guy. I, I like to bounce around. I, don't, I, I, I grew up thinking that acting, well, you played something different every time. You know, I grew up thinking I was never going to be in a movie or TV. I was going to be on stage. Hmm. And so I was a great student of the great uh, English tradition of Gilgood and Richardson and and Alec Guinness, and you know, they were masters of disguise. You'd look completely different in every part. And you're playing somebody who's, you know, just an alien to the last part you played. So, and I don't mind, I I don't mind if I play, you know, I'm doing the the Patriarch on, on a show called Chesapeake Shores on Hallmark. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable playing the very nice, comfortable dad, granddad, and at the same time, in Things to Do and Dad, I played, you know, an, a, a, a completely out-of-control psychopath. I think that's more fun, though, isn't it, playing the psychopath? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is more fun. Yeah. I have to admit, villains are more fun, especially if they're three-dimensional. Sometimes you also take a part in a film because it's going to be so good, and I knew Brian was going to do a great job and so i was very very honored to be offered this role and i knew that it's it's kind of a grounding part for the film I knew it was an important role because he's sort of holding the fort while Brian and the guys are getting, you know, getting the serum. And I knew it needed somebody with my experience, and I, I was really grateful to be a part of such a great film. The script was so uh, much about something that was so deep that uh, Brian and I just didn't, we didn't even have to talk. We knew exactly what we needed to do, and it was basically, let's let, you know, independent films, you come to work and you better be ready to go. There ain't no time to screw around. So Brian and I just, how do we shoot this? Where do we put the camera? Let's get into it and get going. Let's start making a movie. And the same with Bia. She, she, you know, she was great. Uh, we had to figure out how to go from bed to bed and do all that doctor stuff, and we worked all that out as quickly as possible, and then we shoot it.
0: Yeah. She was was terrific. That scene where you tear up when the little girl goes, I mean, oh, my God, that just touched my heartstrings. Oh, I'm so glad. But doctors aren't really supposed to lose it, right? They're supposed to maintain. I don't know what you're supposed to do.
1: I just show up and do what I do. I'm not saying you didn't do it right. I'm just saying, like, a real doctor. Oh, uh, doctors lose it all the time, I'm sure. I mean, I don't really care what doctors do. My doctor does it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> your doctor your doctor's a weeper. <laughs> there was no, well, there was no, it was just him and the kids. There's, you know, the, he brought these kids into the world. There's no one else in the room to be strong for. I mean, if the mothers had been in the room, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, your, your performance or your concept of what you do is very much affected by this, the, 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 the scene and who's in it. And had her mother been standing beside me, I would have probably very politely stepped back and let her mother mourn the loss of her daughter, although she might have caught the disease. So yeah. it's an interesting, it's, it was an interesting scenario. But because I was alone with the children, I think, I think he needed someplace, we needed the audience to see someplace how much this affected him. Because it isn't just about her, it was, this was a release of, of the tension and exhaustion, no sleep of trying to keep these kids alive.
0: So, being that it was an indie, what were the accommodations like? Uh, with, you know? Well, luckily
1: it was. A, that's a destination town. Yeah. So there were these wonderful little bed and breakfasts and inns in my place where I stayed. I had a little tiny apartment, and downstairs were these gigantic hot tubs in the basement. Oh, perfect! Gorgeous hot tubs, and so I got to take a hot tub at the end of the day. Uh, there were wonderful, like six or seven great restaurants. It was very. I was very. I was very happy there. You know, I'd go up and watch a movie on my iPad after dinner, and you know, we'd have a lovely little dinner and we was great, great company. Brian was working a 14-hour day, I was working like a six-hour day, because all my stuff was broken up. So, you know, I was very happy there, it was lovely.
0: Did you ever go on location where you were miserable? Yes.
1: (laughs) He says with conviction. Sure. (laughs) Particularly with those who shall not be mentioned, who were a pain in the butt to work with, stuff like that. (laughs) This was not the case. This is a really, really committed, lovely group of people, particularly Brian. I can't say enough about this guy. He is really terrific, you'll see. He's humble. He's gifted. He's, he's better looking than I am even or was. He's a great guy. And he, he's not afraid to look bad in the movie. You know, he looks... He's got the goofiest hat I've ever seen on a leading man, and yet he still pulls it off.
0: <laughs> because everyone's looking at the dogs. I mean, come on. So I just wanted to uh, real quick ask you, you're going to be doing another musical. Is that true?
1: Uh, for, uh, I did with, it. You did it already did it. with yeah, Dolly? we did, uh, Christine Bransky and Dolly Parton and I, we did a movie musical down in Atlanta. We finished it about... Uh, three months ago, and it'll be out a, a year from Christmas because they have to translate it into, or dub it into 100 languages. Oh, my. Yeah. Wow. So and I'll be speaking Chinese, I'll be speaking Italian, I'll be speaking German, French. And singing in all those languages, too. No, 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 no all the songs, just like here. Dubbed into the language, the songs stay the same with the same voice, same singer, in English. Interesting. Yep. What kind of music was it? Valley she wrote it all. Oh, wow! Country Western baby, so cool. So, a country Christmas, it's called "Christmas on the Square." So, oh, she's lovely. She's uh, great. I loved her. I love her. She's great. So nice. So, and, and so that's coming out next Christmas. Uh, another film called The Doherty Gang coming out that I did. That's that's lovely. I got a, I got this opening this week, and then I'm hoping I'm hoping we get another season of Chesapeake Shores on Hallmark. So busy, busy, busy. Very cool. Well, I hope that you know that I'm saying this, that it was a treat with love. Oh, oh thank you so much.
0: I bet you that get that all the time. You again.
1: Let's talk again in another 40 years.
0: No, no, no. Let's not
1: wait that long. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Thank treat- you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Always new. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying To you. <laughs> to you. To you.